We started a new series last week called Daniel, Dare to be Different, and I've got a confession to make, and I hope it doesn't make you think any less of me, Um, but I am a reality TV junkie. I love reality TV. Anybody else love reality TV? Um, I get it, right, that that reality shows aren't really reality. They're actually carefully edited to make the show much more interesting than reality actually was, right? So that the reality is better than reality was so that you will watch the altered reality. Um, I get that, but I still watch it. Um, Now listen, I I don't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Uh, I don't watch that junk. I, I don't watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette for that matter. Um, And I definitely don't watch Dancing with the Stars. It's just weird and stupid. Um, but, But, man, I love HGTV. Anybody else love HGTV? I love some Fixer Upper with with Chip and Joanna over in Waco, right? And can I just tell you, I I wish we could get them to come in here and, like, redo the church. It'd be awesome, right? Um, But but I also, right now, I'm loving this show on the History Channel called Forged in Fire. And it's a show about making knives. And every time I watch this show, I'm like, I'm going to make a home forge, and I'm going to start with a blacksmith and start making knives. My wife's like, stop, don't do it. Um, and, and, and I love that. Um, but it, one of the most intriguing reality TV shows to me is called Survivor. Um, anybody fans of Survivor? Man, I, I love it. I've watched parts of most of the seasons and, and people scheme, they lie, they cheat, they manipulate, right? They, they form alliances and they sell out their friends all in order to win a million dollars. Truth is, that definitely reminds me of real life. Today, we pick up the story of Daniel with a real-life episode of Survivor, Babylonian style. It's an epic and surprising story. King Nebuchadnezzar had conquered the kingdom of Judah. He destroyed Jerusalem and took the strongest, brightest young men back to his palace in Babylon. They all stayed in the same place, they ate the same food, and they were taught the same things. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was watching to see who would emerge as the best of the best, the survivors. But you see, the prize was a high position working for this king, leading the captive kingdoms. If you won, then you got to join the leadership team of the free world. And not only did you get a position and prestige, but your position of power could provide protection for your own people. You see, the stakes were high. But the problem was if you displeased the king, you didn't get voted off the palace or kicked out of Babylon. This king had a temper. And if you crossed him, if you disobeyed his instructions or you made him mad, he just killed you. So this was a contest that nobody wanted to lose. And the captives stayed in the palace and they were fed gourmet meals from the king's table. That that presented a challenge to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You learned about them last week. It's not that the food didn't look good or it didn't smell good or it wasn't appetizing. It looked wonderful. It was great. But the Hebrews had a very clear set of guidelines about what they were to eat and what they were to avoid. You see, the food at the king's table was in clear violation of the guidelines given by God. No doubt that was intentional on the part of King Nebuchadnezzar. He knew what the Hebrew captives were allowed to eat. He wanted to break down their traditions and beliefs so that he could become their God. 
All the captives had the same rules. The table was set. The food that they were supposed to eat was set before them. It looked good and it smelled good, but it was a sin. And before you knew it, everyone dug in. They were feasting at the table of the king. See, it was a difficult situation for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To the natural mind, it made sense, right? God didn't want them to starve, right? And, and all the other captives were eating. Everyone else was doing it. And if you're a parent, you've heard that excuse at one time or another, right? But mom, but dad, everybody's doing it. And you see, there's a standard, there's a standard answer to that. It's taught in parenting school, and every parent responds to everybody's doing it by saying, if everyone jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? Right? It's just one of those things that every parent says. Here's the thing. You'll say it too if you haven't already. If your kids are smart aleck, they're going to say yes, and then they're going to get grounded. Right? I only wish that it was children and students that gave that excuse, though. But unfortunately, many of you still use that excuse. I know the Bible says sex outside of marriage is wrong, but, but really everybody's doing it, right? Cheating on your taxes isn't really a sin. It's more like a game. They see how much they can get, and I see how much I can keep, and everybody does it, so it's okay. Telling a little white lie isn't that big of a deal. It's not like I hurt anybody. Allowing trash to enter my home on the television or computer screen is, is probably not the best idea, but everybody else is watching it. If I don't watch it, then I won't have anything to talk about when I go to work tomorrow. Listen, I could go on and on, and so could you. You have a hundred examples where people make stupid choices or mistakes or justified irrational behavior because everybody was doing it. Here's my question. Does the fact that everybody is doing it make it right? If it doesn't make it right, then does it make it acceptable? If not acceptable, does it make it really not a sin? You see, I'm concerned because there appears to be a pattern. We're allowing the world and the people around us to redefine right and wrong for us. People have adjusted their theology based on their experience, but now it seems that they adjust their theology based on relationships. They, they can't stand the thought of someone they love going to hell, so they redefine sin in order to hope them into heaven. You see, every soul matters to God doesn't mean that God ignores sin. We love people regardless of their sin, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still sin. You see, I'm afraid that sometimes we equate loving the person with accepting the sin. Instead, a solid, unchanging standard, the Bible. We're instead subject to the shifting winds of culture. Over time, that which we once regarded as sin, we've come to accept. Not because the Bible has changed, but simply because everybody's doing it. And eventually, we not only accept it, but we join in again, not because the Bible has changed, but simply because more and more people are participating in that sin. I know you're probably thinking, Pastor Jason, you just need to, to face the facts. The world has changed. You know what? You're correct. The world has changed. The challenge is the Bible has not changed. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong, regardless of how many people are doing it. 
For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Allah was on the line. Every other captive was eating the food. In order to win, they needed to be strong, and they needed to eat. And from their story, we learn how to respond when everyone is doing it. And you'll see God's response when you stand for what is right. We'll pick up the story in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food or wine. The dictionary defines definition of resolve is to make a firm decision about. So Daniel decided, I know what God has told me. I know what is right. I don't care what everyone else says or does. I'm making a firm decision to obey God. You see, that's the first thing. The first thing to how to respond when everyone is doing it is make the decision to do right. Make the decision to do right. Obey God and follow truth. Listen, this is so important. Decide before you are faced with the temptation. Decide right now that I'm not going to cheat on my spouse. I won't have an affair. But, but pastor, there's nobody in the horizon. I, I've never even considered that. Good, that's the best time to make that decision that you won't have an affair. Decide right now that I'm not going to have sex outside of marriage. Listen, that's why we talk in our student ministry about sexual purity. Listen, our students need to make the decision before temptation presents itself. Right? And every once in a while, I've got a parent who gets mad. I can't believe that you would talk about sex with my sixth or my seventh grader because they don't know anything about sex. Good. I'd rather them learn a biblical perspective than from somewhere else. Listen, that's a great time for them to decide what they're going to do. They can stand for purity and they can decide right now. You can decide right now that I will not gossip or listen to gossip. But, but nobody's telling me any good. That's the best time to decide. Don't be a part of someone else's sin and dysfunctional relational patterns. Don't be an enemy of God's kingdom and the church by attacking other believers with loose words and lies that harm the body of Christ. Decide right now that I won't pollute my body with addictive substances. The best time to make that decision is before you're tempted. You've got to decide now. Listen, I could go on and on. It's time that people who claim to be followers of Jesus start acting like it and quit letting culture decide their every action. You don't have to be like everyone else. You don't have to do what everyone else does. You don't have to give in. Make a firm decision and make it right now. Then when that moment of temptation comes, act on the decision that you've already made. Verse 8 says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. I want you to look at that very closely. This was not an act of rebellion on Daniel's part. In fact, he asked for permission. It was an act of humility and righteousness. The same heart that led Daniel to the right decision led him to the right attitude. His first response, his initial attitude was, I'll do the right thing the right way. See, Tina and I love comedy. We love to laugh. Um, I believe that one of the best things that people can do is laugh. If you're having a bad day, the best way to have a good day is to laugh. 
And there are some great comedians out there. We, we love some comedians. And some other comedians we don't like to listen to at all. Um, back when we were youth pastors in Nacogdoches, we, we decided to buy tickets for a comedy show that was coming through town. And we had seen this bits of this person's Comedy Central special, and we're like, all right, that'd be awesome. He's kind of funny. We're going to go see it. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Um, but we paid over $50 a ticket to go see this person. And can I tell you, we got really good seats. We were all the way up at the front on the left-hand side. We were close. And, 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 and when he began his, his comedy set, less than five minutes into it, he, his supposed jokes were growing extremely sexual in graphic nature. The first joke that he said made me really uncomfortable. It made my wife uncomfortable as well. And then he continued, and the jokes got worse. We had a choice to make. We could sit there and listen to the rest of the show. After all, we were in the front row. If we did something, then everybody would see us. Or we could get up. We could leave and walk out of the show. For us, it was wrong. So what did we do? We got up and left. We didn't pick at the venue. We didn't go to the media. We didn't have a fight. We didn't throw a fit. We didn't even ask for our money back. And that was a lot of money for a couple of broke youth pastors. We didn't make a scene. We just quietly got up and left and didn't think any more of it. And you may laugh and, and say, come on, Pastor Jason, you, you, it's just a joke. You need to lighten up a bit. You could have stayed and watched it. You're right, I, I could have. But you see, it was more than just walking out. We had a former student that was working the venue that night that, that we didn't know was there. He saw us walk out from the comedy show. He commented, by the way, this was a student that wasn't serving Jesus. He commented to his mom that night whenever he got home late that he saw us get up and leave. And that because of the content of the comedy that we were listening to, and it meant a lot to him to see us stand up for what we believed. You see, that night, because we did what was right, he learned a valuable lesson about standing for what he believed was right and doing it with the right attitude. You know what? I'm afraid sometimes we get mad and we want to fight without first trying to simply do the right thing without the right attitude. Truth is, we give Christianity a bad name because of our hostile attitude. Right? Resolving to do right doesn't have to be a crusade. It doesn't have to be in your face. I'm doing what's right, and there's nothing you can do about it. Listen, when you've got that attitude, your good decision can come across as arrogant and angry. Make the decision, but while you're at it, keep the right attitude. Listen, you don't have to get angry. You don't have to be a jerk to do right. You don't have to put other people down. You don't have to post angry rants on Facebook or unfriend everybody who disagrees with you. Listen, that's the most immature junior high thing I've ever seen. If you can't have an adult conversation, don't talk. <sighs> Wasn't even in my notes. Do the right thing and do the right thing with the right attitude. Listen, when you do what is right with the right attitude, people will respect you. Listen, I'm, I'm not on a crusade against something today. 
If, if that's what you get out of this, you're not listening to me. Listen, I get tired of people being upset with me for something I didn't say. Right? If you're going to be mad at me, be mad at me about something that I said, not something I didn't say. But here's what I'm saying. Followers of Jesus should look and act differently than everyone else. It's time for us to affect culture instead of culture affecting us. Do what's right and do it with the right attitude. You see, Daniel probably expected a fight, but it wasn't his words that persuaded the official. Instead, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. You see, it's not coincidence. When you stand for right, when everyone else is doing wrong, you find favor in the most unexpected places. Is it because you did what's right? Or is it because God is helping you? Yes. When you do the right thing with the right attitude, God works with you. You enjoy his blessings, his approval, and his favor when you refuse to follow the crowd and instead stand for what is right. Continuing in verse 10, the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men? The king would then have my head because of you. You see, this guy, the official, he had a problem. If he granted Daniel's request to eat a different diet and Daniel and his friends didn't look as strong and as healthy as the others, the king would be very unhappy. Right? And this king wasn't a reasonable guy. When the official said he would have my head, he wasn't using a metaphor. He meant it literally. He wanted to grant Daniel's request, but he liked his head. Right? There was significant risk to allowing Daniel to do this. Verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, said, please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, now listen, in my book, that took a lot of courage. To eat only vegetables for 10 days? Remember, this was a long time before anybody considered being a vegan. Okay? They, they didn't have Greek yogurt. When they said vegetables, they meant vegetables. We're talking broccoli and carrots and spinach and Brussels sprouts and tomatoes. Wasn't talking about hummus or veggie straws. It was vegetables with no ranch. You see, this was how you punish your kids. Right? I remember as a kid, uh, my, my parents would say, Jason, you've got to eat your vegetables. If you eat your vegetables, you can have this delicious brownie. Then my next question was, who made it, or did it come from the store? Um, But I had to decide, was it worth torturing myself by eating the broccoli so that I could have the deliciousness of the brownie? And sometimes I did. Listen, it was nothing but water and vegetables. He said, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Listen, Daniel's answer was wise. He said, no problem. Let's just try it out for 10 days and see what happens. 
Listen, when you stand for what's right, when you refuse to follow the crowd and instead honor God with your decisions, God gives you wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make the right decisions. Wisdom is knowing what to say in difficult circumstances. Wisdom is seeing what others don't see. And and here's probably my favorite definition of wisdom. Wisdom is good ideas from God. Daniel said, give us 10 days. You'll be able to see how God has honored us. It was a bold, faith-filled statement. Everyone else was going to eat meat and the choice foods. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going to have water and veggies for a 10-day trial period. Now, now come on. Was there really going to be a a big difference in 10 days, right? How much results do you see from a diet after only 10 days? Don't tell me. Listen, I've heard a lot of people resolve to do something and not follow through. You see, resolve isn't enough. Your decisions have to make it to your actions. When you begin acting on the right decision with the right attitude, God gives you boldness to follow through. Boldness is a student who stands for sexual purity. Boldness is a student who doesn't go to the party. Boldness is the businessman who stands for integrity. Boldness is the young adult who refuses to drink and to party. Boldness is the courage to speak up and shut down a gossip. Boldness is the ability to say no. Boldness believes in right and acts on that right. Boldness says everyone else may be doing it, but not me. Listen, it's time for followers of Jesus, men and women, families and students to say, I don't care if everyone else is doing it. I will not allow others to dictate my behavior. I will obey God and I will stand for what is right. Listen, it is time for a revivalness of holiness in America, for the people of God to look and to act and to talk and to love different than people who don't know him. Listen, our words should be grace-filled. Our hearts should be free of prejudice and hate. Our hands should be open to those in need. And our mouths should be filled with words that bring encouragement and life in others. Be bold. Verse 16, so the official agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. See, the king's official listened to the kids saying, don't worry about your head being cut off. Trust me. Listen, only God can make that happen when he would make that decision. When you stand alone, you're not really standing alone. God, the creator of this world, the one who loves you and died for you, stands with you. You see, when you stand with God, you are not a minority. You may be the only one, but you are the majority. God works with you, in you, around you, and through you. Fifteen, at the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. There might be something to eating the vegetables. Parents, how many of you guys have told your kids, you got to eat your vegetables so you can grow up to be strong? I've said it. Here it said that at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them what? 
vegetables instead. It worked. After only vegetables for 10 days, they looked better, more nourished, and more fit than the rest of everyone in the king's service. God honored Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they obeyed him. When you stand for right and you refuse to give in, God honors your obedience. When you stand against culture, and remember, listen, you're not standing alone. You aren't sacrificing. It's not a sacrifice to say no to what is wrong. You're not giving up anything. You are gaining a reward from God. Listen, parents reward their children based on obedience. Right? And parents, you love to see your kids make the right choice. Students, listen to me. If you want a raise in your allowance, try this. Obey. If you want spending money, a later curfew, a new iPhone 10, a, a Corvette, whatever it is, this is the magic secret that works with every parent ever created. Obey with the right attitude. It's amazing what they'll buy you. Here's the principle. Blessing follows obedience. It works with parents, and it works with God. God blesses and honors obedience. Why does tithing work? Why do people enjoy God's blessings when they put God first in their finances? It's not normal. It's not what everyone else is doing, but it's what God commands, and God honors obedience. It's his pattern and his promise. Verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. If you're taking notes there, put an asterisk by that, by, by that verse there, because that is what literature specialists refer to as foreshadowing. We're going to be seeing that a little bit later in the story. Verse 18 at the end of time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they entered the king's service. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better. Not just a little better but ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom. Listen, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did what was right in spite of what everyone else was doing, and they won. They were the wisest, they were the smartest, they were the strongest, they were filled with wisdom and understanding. I've said it before, right wins. It may not win every battle, but it always wins the war. Do what's right. Honor God and obey God. Stand against culture. Refuse to give in to everybody's doing it. God honors right. When you do right, God gives you the victory. Verse 21. And Daniel remained there until the first year of the king Cyrus. Hold on a second. I thought you said that, that God gave Daniel the victory. That doesn't sound like a victory. What kind of victory is that? Shouldn't the verse say, and the king let Daniel and all of his buddies go back to their homeland? That's not what happened. 
Daniel was captive for 70 years. And Daniel faithfully served even though his definition of victory was different than God's. Listen, you have to live in this world. You don't have a choice. But, but when you stand against the shifting tides of culture, when you stand for what is right, when you refuse to let everyone is doing it govern your behavior, God gives you the courage to endure, to make it through life's struggles and trials. What will happen? You'll stand when others fall. You will go on and on when others give up. You can face life's most challenging battles with joy and grace because God gives you confidence and courage. Listen, some of you have found yourself captive to the argument, everyone is doing it. Maybe you've done some stupid things. You've sinned against God because you want to fit in with the people around you. You've let culture make your decision instead of acting on what you know is right. You, you followed the crowd instead of leading the crowd. It's time to change. And I, I know what you're thinking. Oh, here it comes. I knew it. This was a setup. He's about to tell us everything that we shouldn't be doing. He's still got 10 minutes left. He's going to give us a list of everything we can't do anymore. He's going to make us throw away our TV. He's going to make us quit going to the movies and a whole bunch of other things. He's just mad about something, and he's going to yell about something. No, I'm not. Instead, I just want to ask the question, are you letting the world make your decisions, or are you obeying God? Let me ask it another way. And this is not a question for you to push on, on other people. It's a question for you to consider for yourself. Are you currently doing something that you used to think was sin? Are you currently excusing behavior that you used to know was wrong? Guess what? It probably is. You got sucked into a new way of thinking because everyone else was doing it. Go on. Be different. Dare to be different. Dare to be right, not in an arrogant way. Listen, we're not going to reach America being mad and ranting on Facebook. James said, the wrath of a man worketh not the righteousness of God. Another translation says, man's anger doesn't bring about God's intent. Listen, we're not going to shout them to Jesus but we can show them Jesus. And we can show them that life, we can show them a life that is different. It's time. Would you bow your heads with me? Today I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for accommodating culture. God, forgive us for buying into the deception. If everyone else is doing it, then it must be okay. Forgive us for allowing the people around us to alter our perception of your commands. We have no excuse, Lord. 
Instead, we stand before you humbled, broken, and honest, asking your forgiveness. Lord, forgive our sins. God, for our individual sins and for our collective sins, Lord, forgive us. God, when we have failed you personally, God, and when we have failed you corporately, Lord, I pray for this church that we would dare to be different, that that we would dare to stand out from our culture, that we do what's right, that we would decide to do right regardless of what society and the culture around us is doing that we would not fall into the trap of acceptance and pleasing people at the risk of disobeying and not pleasing you. God, help us to be different. God, I pray for students in the room, God, that they would be different. That they wouldn't just give in because it's what everybody else does, but they would stand out And God, that you would honor that and they would be known for that and respected for that. God, I pray that some students would have a real impact in their schools this year because they're different. Lord, I pray for adults and parents and grandparents and and single adults that they would be different. That we would not be the same as everyone else around them. God, that we would have the courage to be different and that you would use that, Lord. There are people that have been praying and praying for someone in their family and someone in their circle of relationship to come to you the whole time while living an inconsistent life. I pray that as they see us be different, that they would be drawn to different and want to be different as well. That they would see the blessing. They would see the favor and they would see the wisdom of God in our lives and they would be drawn to that. Lord, we make the commitment right now in your presence to be different. Starting now, God, starting today, we want to honor you and obey you in every single way. Let the world see that. Let the world see that difference, I pray. In Jesus' name.